It's all in German. She doesn't speak a lick of German. And the edible hits me. What's up, nomads? Welcome to your new favorite travel podcast, Two Beers Till Takeoff. The podcast that delivers expert knowledge, the information you won't get in your guidebook, and a story that's guaranteed to make you say, what the fuck, or your money back. Sid, you know our episodes are free, right? Yeah? So, I think we might have forgot something in the past episode. Oh yeah, what? I think we were a bit too excited to start talking about travel that we forgot to introduce ourselves. Oh fuck yeah. I mean, I just assumed it, like everybody would already know who I am, but yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so, my name is Phil and I'm from the east coast of Canada. My name's Big Sid, I'm from Bognor Regis in England. But I'm currently making a claim to become a refugee in Brazil. You don't hear that every day. Exactly. Life in 2021, eh? You know, when we first met, it was Malta many, many moons ago. And we didn't even like each other at first, you know. I invited Phil out to come and watch, watch football with me. And the response I got was shocking. Really, a lot of disrespect in his response. Yeah, I said something around uh, football. Oh, you mean soccer? Yeah, which doesn't play with me. It's very sensitive, Sid. <laughs> you know, we, we were two youngish guys full of testosterone pretending to be the alpha males in the hostel. Like, there was always going to be a little bit of a rivalry there. I went out, watched the game, a few beers, had a good night. I just thought, oh, I don't like this kid, you know. No problem. But things kind of changed the next day. We went on uh, this scuba diving trip and neither of us knew that the other one had signed up for it. So there we are sitting in this Jeep. Me, Phil who I don't like, this one girl from the hostel, riding up, get our scuba diving gear on. Okay, this is going to be a bit of an awkward trip, but all right, let's, let's, let's go for it. And we get, uh, you know, we, we, get, we get underwater, and the instructor's like, you, you, you two, hands, hold hands. And I'm looking like, fucking with this guy. I'd rather put rocks in my pocket and float to the bottom. <laughs> but, you know, so we... It's good to hear after all these years what you were thinking at that moment. I was thinking the exact same thing. Oh, we could have both done the same thing. It would have been easier. But it was almost like holding hands underwater was a turning point in our relationship. Because after that point, we were no longer foes. We were bros. <laughs> it's a cracking rhyme, yeah. Changed everything. So in Malta, there's a lot of things to do. There's... It's a bit of a party island, I guess you could say, especially in that we were in a region called Patchaville. We were, I guess, the, a bit of the life of the party. The only thing with that is that the party eventually ends and both Sid and I realized that we needed a bit of money. So we needed to find a job and quick because money was running out. Oh God, we, oh God, we were poor. <laughs> Spent all my money on scuba diving. <laughs> Me too. So Sid and I both got a job at this Italian restaurant and the issue with that was we didn't really have any formal clothing, any any of the uniform that was required to be a waiter at an Italian restaurant. We didn't have. So Sid and I went 50-50 on a pair of nice pants and we got the hostel owner's dress shoes. Two things, two things quickly. Pants or trousers for any Europeans <laughs> that didn't get that. And I mean, the owner's dress shoes, the guy was six foot nine. Like his shoes were like fucking canoe boats. Honestly, you could have fit both our feet 
in them at the same time. They were massive. And from the hostel to the restaurant, it was like ridiculously uphill. Like it was, and those shoes, like blisters for days. Yeah, it was really just a grim time. Like, thank God we just, I think eventually by the end of it, we had enough money to buy our own trousers, which was, which was fortunate. My girlfriend told me a funny anecdote the other day. She's like, she found the pair of trousers. She's like, <laughs> she, she's like, aren't these the pants that you went to your university graduation in? <laughs> so they've yeah, been always really that. They were the one, they were the ones I used to work in as well. You know, I think I got married in my pair. <laughs> But you know, it's been a it's, it's been a hell of a ride since then. You know, we've been on so many different trips across different parts of the globe. You know, often dangers followed us round, or it's, it, you know, it's never stopped being exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for COVID to end, just so that we can go on another one. I I have no idea what the future holds. Mars, 2022. <laughs> Elon Musk, there. let's go, baby. <laughs> Two beers till takeoff. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's get into episode number two. So Amsterdam, some people know it for its red light districts. Some people call it the Venice of the North, a place that has XXX on its city's flag. I mean, it just automatically yells debauchery, right? But we're here today to talk to you about Amsterdam and to tell you that there's so much more than just that debauchery that people associate it with. For me, no, we Amst- might still talk a little bit about the butchery. Just a little bit. <laughs> so for me, I think Amsterdam is a very special place. It's a place that I've already thought about moving there. Uh, just the lifestyle, the canals, the, the museums. There's so much cool stuff there. And um, I think the only thing that I didn't like about, the main thing I didn't like about Amsterdam was really the weather. It's kind of a, a port city and uh, there's a lot of rain. But having met people that lived there whilst I was there, it really made me not ever want to even think about living there. So I'm surprised you said that. You know, a lot of, I suppose this is on the debauchery side. They, a lot of people seem to be there and just lose track of reality. They sort of moved there, but they mentally moved into their own kind of space world. They were really odd, a lot of the people that had moved there. Yeah, but I think that there's, and I think we'll, we'll get into that discussion a bit later, but I think that there's two different sides of Amsterdam. There's the tourist Right, like district side, and then there's the other side. Yeah, that's fair enough. Q and A. So, let's move into a new segment we've got. Q and A. Questions and answers for anyone that's a little bit illiterate or possibly failed school. I'm going to start this today and probably use it with all of our guests in the future. Pretty simple questions, Phil. I'll ask them. You answer them the best you can. So... Hot or cold? I live in a climate where it's cold, like 11 months of the year, so I'm going to say hot. Bus or train? Plane. <laughs> top or bottom bunk? I've had some bad experiences on the top bunk when you're on the bottom bunk, so I'm going to say bottom bunk. Should I ask why? Maybe not uh, appropriate for the listeners. Maybe on our Patreon page we'll tell that story. Cats or dogs? Going dogs all day. Favorite cocktail? An old-fashioned. Beach or mountain? I like both. Obviously. But I prefer to be at a beach. What is your favorite world attraction? 
when you say world attraction, can I go? Does a festival does a festival work? I'll allow a festival. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go running with the bulls in Spain. Okay, so on the flip side, what's the most overrated landmark event attraction? I'm going to go with the most photographed attraction in the world, the Eiffel Tower. Hmm. And the reason why, I don't throw shade unless I can back it up. I'm going to say why. It's overrated because you already know what it looks like, and it's just a pile of steel. I feel like it's going to be a very popular answer through the progression of this show. I'm not a future teller, but possibly. Which country has the best cuisine? (laughs) Best cuisine... I've wrestled with this in my mind for a little bit, and it's not even close. It's Italy. It is Italy for sure. For sure. I think similar to the Eiffel Tower, that's going to be the answer that everybody falls back on. It's, the, it's generic, but I don't care. But it's the one for Pizza, a reason. pasta, yeah. are you serious? Dude, have you ever had a good it's lasagna? It's food. <laughs> Gnocchi? Like, I don't even know if that's how you say it. Like, I want it. What's something you never travel without, Sid? I have traveled without you, so I'm going to have to say uh, my politeness. How As a Canadian, I'm very polite. How very patriotic of you. What is your favorite hostel? I can't give you my favorite hostel, but I can give you my worst one. Fantastic. So what's your least favorite hostel? On the theme of the episode... I'm going to have to say the one that I lived or I stayed at in Amsterdam. Why? So if you're, if you're going to Amsterdam and you're getting a hostel, never, ever under any circumstances, stay in the red light district. I stayed in one. We got there. It was the entrance is a waffle, like a waffle place, which smells amazing in the morning. That sounds amazing. I know. But once you start getting to the steps... The steps are so steep that it's like climbing Mount Everest. Now throw in that you're like probably drunk from the night that you're out. Now climb those steps. I'm going to post a picture on our Instagram because the steps are absolutely ridiculous. On top of that, the other reason why it was really bad, we got bed bugs. Given the city that it is, who the fuck wants to be climbing that kind of stairs in the evening? Jesus, you'd be better off sleeping on the floor, in the canal, rocks in the pocket again. If you're confused about what I mean, look at your wall at how steep it is. That's how the stairs were. I swear to God, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Spider-Man's the only guy that could check in. <laughs> so where did you find your cheapest pint? I think the cheapest pint I found was in... This wonderful place that nobody knows about is called Belo Horizonte, Brazil. And I think I paid a dollar, dollar or something Canadian. Belo Horizonte, for people who don't know where it is, it's, it's an amazing place. It's a place that has nothing, no, no tourist attractions whatsoever, but they have a ton of bars. I'll probably use this fact again on another day, but Belo Horizonte has more bars per square meter than anywhere else in the world. It's in the middle of fucking Brazil with nothing around it. So yeah, well worth a visit. Favorite sports team? 
I'm going to have to go with the New England Patriots. Yeah. All right. Where were you before all the Super Bowls? Glory Hunter. Champions. Somewhere you'd never go back. I still haven't come across a country, I don't think, that I wouldn't go back to. There's maybe some that I'm prioritizing less. But every country I've been to up to date has been unique enough in its way that it's worth going back. So I would say none. So what's your opinion as, of Bognor Regis as a tourist? Can't wait to go back. <laughs> Crying. There are still people now in Bognor Regis talking about the time a Canadian guy went to the bar. I, uh, I'm, I think I'm the only guy in Bognor Regis that ever tried to pay with Scottish notes. <laughs> Explain to me why that's an issue. Because I tried to explain it to someone, and I was like, I don't, I don't know why. Because it's I don't like know why trying to pay with it's like trying to pay with US dollars in fucking Toronto. It doesn't make sense. The different fucking currencies. But is it still a pound? It doesn't it have the same worth? It's just a different color. It well, well, interesting you say that. In theory, it does, and they are the same currency, and they're controlled by the same central bank. But if you go abroad, the Scottish pound is worth less. For example, there was a period where you could go to Lithuania and if you cashed in your pounds, they were worth 10% more, might even have been 15% more than your Scottish pounds. Interesting. What's the most underrated country? That's a tough question. Um, as much as it is a cruise destination in Eastern Europe, I still have to say Montenegro. To be, I, I know it's a cruise destination yet, but I would say that's well worth rating as an underrated or picking as an underrated country. Because, okay, it's on the cruise list, right? But there aren't many people that go to Montenegro. Like, I, no, could, pick on, I, could, pick on, I could pick on two hands the number of people that I know have been to Montenegro. I don't need my toes to count that. <laughs> there aren't many. It's, there are other places than where the cruise lands. The cruise, cruise stop in Kator. Kator is this place that is in this little bay off the Adriatic Sea. Most One of the most ridiculous views I've ever seen in my life, to be honest. Uh, the view from the top of the castle is unreal. If, 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 you, I, just see it on, if, if you just see it on Google Images or whatever, you, you, you'd assume it's been created. Like it doesn't, it's, be, it's it doesn't belong in Eastern Europe. It's insane. You don't need an Instagram filter. That's how beautiful this place is. Yeah. And you, you, the weird thing, you can even take a great picture from the base. You don't even need to climb up. Yeah. You know, the view's yeah, different, it, obviously, but it's, it, it's just a sensational place. Yeah. And uh, like, it's, I feel like it's starting to gain traction because like we, we went to other places than Katori went to, like uh, we drove through like Budva and like that place seems to be a bit more of a party place a lot more like just looking at like hostels like their availability there's a lot more hostels popping up we we went right to the south of the country in Ulsinj i think that's how you say it Ulsinj but yeah whatever and man don't like fucking ask me for a pronunciation and then don't enjoy it you say thank you Ulsinj <laughs> merci merci the beautiful thing about montenegro it being underrated is how beautiful it, beautiful it is but also how cheap it is a lot of people go to croatia croatia is an amazing place no one will ever dispute that but in that region it's probably the most expensive yeah if you oh, go to montenegro de de definitely croatia maybe slovenia but 
and if you go to Montenegro, like we went to, when we were in Ulcin or whatever you called it, we had in the old town a view off the water on one of the highest rated restaurants in town. Didn't cost me 20 Canadian dollars. Homemade pasta, seafood, drinks. It's wild. Yeah. All this to say, guys, check out Montenegro. We're going to post some pictures just because it's basically going to get a million likes guaranteed. Sorry, Kanye. Least friendly locals. This is a tough one, man. Like, I don't want to say anywhere because, like, I feel like your opinion of a country having the least friendly locals, it just maybe it just depends on who you're talking to, right? But I think I have to say the United States. Why? And I'm not. I'm not going to say the United States without giving you a reason. I have a lot of friends in the United States. You know who you are. For me to formulate this opinion is because on average, the citizen that I talked to while I was in the United States was not the nicest. Now, I'm not saying that the United States aren't friendly people. Fair enough. I'm just saying that the places that I have been, on average, versus all the other ex- experiences that I've had, they've been the least, least friendly. You've diplomatically tiptoed around that to cost us as few listeners as possible. And I really hey man, appreciate I, that. I love the United States. They, they're the best in the world at music. They're the best in the world in movies. I love their sports. There's so many things that I love about the United States. Should we do, should we, should we do five seconds of just chanting USA to cheer them up again? Yeah, let's go. USA! 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 USA. But look... For all the credit we've just given them, do not fucking ask them about football because they'll give you the wrong answer and then we'll have to go back on it. All right, let's get back to the story and into the top five. Top five. So number five for me is walking the canals in the red light district. We just talked about it. That's maybe the generic tourist thing to do, but it's still uh, something that... That was the first thing I did when I uh, when I got off the bus straight down to D Wallum. Two points for the bus trip. <laughs> well, I think it's 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 very centrally placed, right? Because you get to the main train station, you leave there, and you're pretty much in the red light district. So if you're connecting anywhere, you know, to go to the airport or whatever, like you still have to go through the main train station. And and if you're waiting for a train or something, like you're you can 100% walk to the red light district and come back within you know 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we should differentiate that there's a difference between passing through it to go and catch your train to actually wandering through it, you know, with a, with a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's many offerings. We can, we can kind of say it like that. There's uh, a lot of ladies in windows. Oldest profession in the world. Uh, <laughs> yes, oldest profession in the world. There's uh, a lot of sex-related things. There's uh, sex shows, sex museums. I think it's, it's one of the main themes of Amsterdam, right? Sex. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that sums it up well. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's generally where most tourists go. And that kind of molds their idea of what Amsterdam really is. But there's so much more to Amsterdam. Yeah, I, I, I'd say like, you know, the red light district, it's definitely a, it's an interesting layout where it's so in your face. But if you're into that kind of tourism, it's not even the best place to, to go and do that. So, yeah, definitely worth to see no. other, other yeah. things in Amsterdam. 
It's the most famous one. It is the most famous, but that's... Of of red light districts. It is, but it's not the biggest, and I wouldn't say it's the best. Number four, Amsterdam Nord. So Amsterdam Nord, it's a neighborhood in northern Amsterdam. It's a region that was previously an old wharf, but they kind of refurbished the the area, and that kind of sprouted out like different bars and markets, and it's kind of got a like alternative culture, chill vibe. Uh, You can find music there. There's many DJs that play there, so there's like kind of like a nightlife, and it's it's kind of like an underground. Uh, it's like an it's like an artsy kind of cultural hub in a way, yeah. Exactly. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so definitely a place to check out that's kind of off the beaten path. Number three, the museums. The museums in Amsterdam are very impressive. I wasn't. I feel like North Americans, you know, we do have some museums, some good museums. There aren't as many good ones, I feel, than it, there are in Europe. In Amsterdam, there's three of, you know, there's three really awesome ones. There's the Anne Frank house that's really interesting. There's the Van Gogh house that's, it's, it's one of the largest collections, I think, of Van Gogh uh, art, it, it art, is, art history. It is the largest. The largest, yeah. Dude, I, uh, when, I, when I went to the Van Gogh house, I stopped for a little smoke before I went in. But looking at, like, uh, the wheat fields and the crows painting and stuff, and just, like, spinning out was a was a pretty unique experience. I enjoyed that. Well, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's an authentic experience too, right? They kind yeah. of go hand in hand. I mean, I probably didn't get the most of it. I spent about one hour looking at the same painting, but it was a good time. And lastly, there's the Rijksmuseum, which is the Dutch National Museum. A lot of amazing pieces in there. And also, fun fact, that's where the Amsterdam letters are located. Generic. <laughs> so, so just tips and tricks for, for uh, Amsterdam. Try to go off season because you will get huge lineups. You can get your tickets online before. Try to do that. Number two, coffee shops. Coffee shops are something very unique and also something that's kind of defines Amsterdam a little bit. So for people that hear me say coffee shops and they're like, yes, tell me more about coffee. It's not actually a coffee shop. Well, they do sell coffee, but they also sell pot, you know, loose leaf pot. They sell uh, edibles. And some of them also sell magic mushrooms. It's like it's like going to Starbucks, but somebody spiked your brownies. A little bit. So all of these things are technically illegal. But because of the tourist uh, revenue that it brings back to the cities, they tolerate it. So it's technically not legal. It's, it's decriminalized. Yeah, exactly. And also the thing with magic mushrooms is that they were also tolerated for a bit, made illegal... And the way that people kind of got around to being able to resell them is that mushrooms grow out of the ground. So what they did is that they changed the way that they would grow it and they made the mushrooms grow in, into the ground. So it's technically not a mushroom. It's therefore a truffle. So it's magic truffles that you can actually get in Amsterdam or in, in the oh, Netherlands. Fuck, that's genius. It's like some reverse engineering. Yeah, it's, it's pretty smart. And the number one thing to do in Amsterdam, in my opinion, is to ride a bike. Most people get to Amsterdam, you know, uh, via the um, central station. And the first thing that you really notice once you get out is, holy shit, there's a lot of bikes. So the first question you might might have is, how many bikes are there really in Amsterdam? Over 900,000 bikes. And they have somewhat of, what's their population? Something like 800? Uh, I, I think it's 870,000. So they have over one bike per person. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. 
And just, just to kind of put into effect of how many bikes there are, once we fought, first got there, left the train station, kind of walked towards the canals, and there was a floating crane in one of the canals. And it had a, you know, it was just digging in random parts of the water. And just like hundreds of bikes were like <laughs> coming out. Like, like so many bikes just everywhere in the canals just to show how many bikes there are in Amsterdam. If you, if you had a floating crane like over here in Brazil, do you know what I mean? You might find a couple of dead bodies. Other than that, you're just pulling out fish. It'd be a waste of using a crane. You use a fishing rod for yeah. that. That's mad. <laughs> a crane. My next question is, why are there so many damn bikes in Amsterdam? I always ask myself that as well, you know. I did a bit of research, and here's what I found. In 1971, there were over 3,300 deaths due to traffic accidents in Amsterdam. Locals were pissed, and bike activists started forming. I call them bike activists, but that might just be me. <laughs> but, dude, that's awful. <laughs> Following that, there were organized protests to limit the amount of vehicles on the road. Biketivists were blocking roads and causing all sorts of chaos. That timed with the uh, Saudi oil embargo. Saudi Arabia in 1973 had one of the largest deposits of oil in the world, and they cut off oil supply to the countries that allied Israel, the Netherlands being one of them. Both those events coincided to limit the appeal of cars and make Amsterdam what it is today, the bike capital of the world. Oh, that's some top quality information. I didn't know that. It probably makes sense more in a city like Amsterdam because by riding the bikes like on the little bridges across the canals and stuff as well, you're going to get there quicker than you would do by car. And I mean, also, exactly, it's, it, it's so flat. I think the whole country is nothing like more than two meters above sea level. I need to check that. But I mean, you could have all the bike activist groups you could want. But in a city like, say, Porto, where it's just built on two massive hills, no one's ever going to ride a bike anyway because you can't get it up the hill. But in Amsterdam, it works perfectly. And like you were saying kind of earlier with um, the Van Gogh Museum, that if you go and hit a coffee shop first and then go to the Van Gogh Museum, you kind of get like the authentic experience. Well, the same thing, you know, happens with bikes. If you if you do hit a coffee shop first and you do go ride around your in, on a bike in Amsterdam, well, you might have a story good enough for a travel podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so in, in the Netherlands, uh, 35,000 kilometers of trails so for bike enthusiasts that haven't really considered Amsterdam or the Netherlands, definitely put this one on your list. So, so I noticed uh, neither of us bothered to mention about the, uh, the, the Heineken Museum or the, the Heineken tour. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that place. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, when I, uh, when, I, uh, when I got up there, I went straight into debauchery mode and fucking blew most of my budget for the three days on the first night. And I was like, shit, I can only afford to do one more thing. Do I, uh, do I go to this Heineken tour? which at the end of it, all I'm going to want to do is drink beers anyway. Or do I go to the Amsterdam Arena, which is like a, like a mecca for football fans. You know, it's a, one of the most significant football stadiums in Europe. So that was what I did. And I still had enough money left to get a couple of beers afterwards. So I don't feel like we've missed anything out by not putting that in, a, in our top five here today. I mean, it's if, if you're a really huge fan of Heineken, go. If not, probably. And, and you're doing a tour of Europe. I'd, I'd, I'd skip it just for just go to Germany or Czech Republic instead. Yeah, man, I, I, I did I did the Pilsen tour. I thought it was awesome in the Czech Republic. I can't imagine the Heineken tour. The Heineken tour was any better, and it was like four times the price. Yeah, the Heineken tour. Basically, what it is is they give you a four D experience of how they make the beer. It's unique, but it's not 
a must. Oh, this sounds this sound, this, this sounds over Disneyfied. I'm still glad I did it. It's like Disney World in Amsterdam. But you do get beer at the end, so I can't complain about that bit. <laughs> hey, are you interested in getting exclusive behind-the-scenes content from our travels, early access to our episodes, or just want to grab two beers with the boys? With the boys! Then head on over to patreon.com slash two beers till takeoff. Link in our Instagram bio. Get subscribing. With the boys! Story time. So this story is a bit of a fun one. Uh, it was maybe not a fun one at the time that it occurred that you look back on and you maybe regret what you did, but you learn from it. So the story happened in 2016. At the time, I was studying in Germany. And uh, there's a guy that I'd met while I did a trip in Morocco, which is going to be featured a little later. And I met a guy, a Korean guy named Jae Hoon. Jae Hoon was living in Amsterdam. He was studying there. He messaged me and he's like, hey man, there's a big party coming up. It's called King's Day. You can stay at my place. Like, just come on up. It'd be great to see you again. For me, I was open to any, any cool stuff going on. So I, I accepted. King's Day, for those who don't know what it is, imagine the red light district, the canals, full of boats, full of people wearing orange. And it's just basically a party from morning to night. This, this King's Day, it's, it's basically what it sounds like. It's the birthday of the king on April 27th. Yeah, I know. I, I know it's a, it's a massive deal up there, isn't it? You were, uh, you were pretty lucky you had Jay Hoon to offer you some accommodation, really, because it, it, it's impossible to get it otherwise up there. Like When I tried to go, I couldn't even make it. I got stuck in Brussels. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close. So I got there and right away things kicked off, like... I, I went to go buy some orange, like an orange shirt. Everyone started drinking. It was just a crazy, it was crazy right from the get-go. We got some tickets to go to a rave. And at this rave, imagine like thousands of people. And there's like four or five stages. And on those stages, you have all these like top DJs, the Martin Garrix, the Martin Salvig, all these Martins. You really fridged that out there. <laughs> anyways crazy experience at one point i even remember there was a man in a wheelchair crowd surfing <laughs> no like stuff stuff was like it was wild that night we all go out and it was really cool because i was with jay hoon and his roommates and you know some of them were local to amsterdam and they brought us to some places that like you normally wouldn't go to in amsterdam it was really cool to see the the different parts of amsterdam because First time I'd been there, there was, you know, we mainly stayed in the red light district, kind of did the museum thing, but we didn't really get to go off the beaten path and to see how the locals really do it. For me, that's what really sold me on. I wasn't expecting that kind of cool part of Amsterdam. I think like, you know, every time you go somewhere, people go to, oh, it's different with the locals. Are you getting, and yeah, that's true to an extent, but I think with somewhere like Amsterdam, where it's so visited en masse that there's so many kind of well-known attractions that you it really is like two different cities because as soon as you get there as a tourist you're kind of like pigeonholed you know you you're scuttling off between from one attraction to the next you're in the queues you're always very centralized in that one area and there's a whole city beyond that so the next day we wanted to go to a coffee shop 
Before the coffee shop, I just had to get some money out. So we stop at a cash point. I put my card into the ATM. And as soon as I put it in, the machine, the, the screen goes to back to insert card. And I'm like, oh, fuck. What? That's my, like, that's my Canadian debit card. Like, it's not like there's a branch just around the corner. I can go get another card. Like, it ate my, <laughs> my <laughs> Canadian debit card. So at this point, I'm, I'm freaking out. Uh, you know, I just lost my debit card, but I have my credit card. So I went to the, the business that was nearest to the ATM. There's like a McDonald's around the corner. So I go to buy you know, 20 chicken nuggets. That I can find. <laughs> yeah, just whatever is cheapest on the menu. And I go to pay with my credit card. Declined. Doesn't work. I'm freaking out even more now because I didn't book my travel to go back to Germany. Oh, fuck you. you. You're staying there then at this point. You're becoming a rent boy. Yeah. That, when I said that I almost moved there, that's that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the next day after that, I was planning to go to Germany. And uh, Jae-hoon being the great guy that he is, you know, he's like, hey, man, here's 100 euros. Just get back home and just pay me back when you have a chance. I've, I've known this guy to steal livestock, so I, I respect the man's balance that on one hand he can do that, but he's also good enough to lend you a hundred bucks. <laughs> Everybody deserves a Jehoon. <laughs> so I, I looked up the travel costs. Um, a bus from Amsterdam to Frankfurt cost me 20 euros, and from Frankfurt there I can grab a train and get back to the, the, the city I was in, in southern Germany for 25 euros. So total 45 euros, I have 100 euros at an hour to kill or two. So I thought, you know, maybe do a bit of shopping, maybe eat. After I do that, I kind of realized that I'd never done edibles in Amsterdam. My trip was coming to an end. And you don't want to you don't want to leave with any regrets. Exactly. I thought it'd be a good idea of doing it in the bus. I I I go to a coffee shop before heading to the train station, talk to the lady there. She says that they do have edibles, but the only ones that they have are brownies, but they're two dose, so you have to cut them in the middle. And either give it to another person or just use it on another day. Give it to the bus driver. <laughs> just a sidebar to kind of explain the situation. So before going to Amsterdam, I think the week before then, there was a bombing in the uh, Brussels airport. Yeah, it was, it was in one of the terminals, wasn't it? I remember that. It was. Uh... Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. So because of that, there was a huge police presence on the border. Yeah, what was, uh, I think when anything like that happens, you know, terrorism attacks, major world incidents, security goes up and what's traditionally soft borders, suddenly they're patrolled again. It's like going back to the 1970s. So in Germany, their laws, they aren't, they're not the same as the Netherlands. They're a bit more strict. And here I am now at the, at the coffee shop and the lady's saying that she's only able to sell me two doses. I said, fuck it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. So I get to the bus stop, go to the bathroom. And I don't know why I went to the bathroom to like eat the edible. Like it's like tolerated. <laughs> <laughs> you were like those, uh, those chicks that go to the, the toilets in the nightclubs just to spark up a cigarette because they can't deal with a queue for the smoking area. It's like fucking sneaking away. Yeah, I'll get away with that. <laughs> exactly. And so I was kind of at like a, like a crossroad, like, do I just eat half and throw it away or, you know, do I keep it or do I eat all of it, you know? So I chose the latter, you know, fuck it. It's just a brownie. Yeah, how bad can it be? How bad can it be? So have the edible, head towards the bus. I get to the bus, start talking to the, the bus driver and 
you know, I had my 20 euros out. The guy said, oh, no, it's, it's 20 euros online, but it's 50 euros in person. Oh, stung. So at this point, I think I have 60 euros left after I've, you know, shopped, ate, and bought an edible. And now I'm like, holy shit. If I pay the 50 euros, I can't get back home from Frankfurt. Like, I can't afford the train back home. So the edible in me, I, the clock's ticking already. Like, I, I need to do something. I can't just stay there or else I'll be stuck. Yeah, pr pr pressure's on. This is, this is about to get serious. The shit's about to hit the fan. What my plan was is to, to pay the 50 euros, get on the bus, and message my mom to try to get me a train back home. Or else I'm stuck in Frankfurt. I love this. Put, put, put yourself in a tough situation and then just fucking try and scramble to get it solved whilst on the bus. Shout out to all the moms out there. So I'm, I'm messaging my mom and I know that it's about to hit me. And I'm messaging her. She's on the Deutsche Bahn uh, website. It's all in German. She doesn't speak a lick of German. And she's asking me, like, what does this word mean? What does this word mean? And she's having issues. And at one point, the edible hits me. Oh, no. Smoking marijuana versus eating marijuana is very different. When you smoke it, you get the active ingredient THC. But when you eat it, it gets processed by your liver and converts the THC into something five times more potent than when you smoke it. Thanks for the info, Joe Rogan. This is the two beers till takeoff warning to be careful with edibles. Even though a gummy bear or a brownie may seem harmless, they can actually give you a strong kick. Now, back to the story. So, the edible hits me. And at this point, I realize that I'm, you know, I'm trying to focus on messaging my mom. At one point, I realize that I'm staring out the window and then I'm like, okay, right, I, I still have to like give her information to, so that she can buy me a ticket. And I'm like reading what I'm like writing, it doesn't make any sense. You, you're, like, you're like staring at the fucking magpies in the trees oh. and you should be translating train websites. <laughs> yeah, just an absolute space cadet. Long, <laughs> long story short, she, she finally is able to get me a ticket to Fra from Frankfurt to where I live. Now my next challenge is that I know that the police are gonna come on board and I gotta get my passport out. The big problem is I can't move. My body- You're in a, you're in a, you're in a vegetative state at this point. Yes, like, like paralyzed or on edibles is the exact same thing. Like I'm, I'm just Arms stuck. locked by the sides. Oh, <laughs> drooling, probably, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I, I go in and finally I reach into my bag. Like I think I like leaned up against the seat in front of me and just like somehow was able to get my passport. And my plan at this point was just, I'm gonna leave my passport on the seat next to me. And once the cops come on, I'm just, just gonna point to it. Yeah, just leave the guy to do his job. Like, oh yeah, you check passport, <laughs> I stay here. Marijuana induces mar uh, paranoia. So what a bad thing to do when, when you know that police are gonna come in to the bus and check your passport. Was, I love this because this is this is all a whole of your own making so far. Ah, uh, it's it's not my not my brightest moment, but you know, had I not done that, I probably wouldn't have been on. This wouldn't have been a story on a travel podcast. But anything for your five minutes of fame, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> so, so at this point, I take my passport, I leave it on the seat next to me, and like I said, my plan is just to point to it and 
officer, sorry, I can't move. My identity is right there. But as soon as I put it down, I look out the window and I notice that we're stopping and I can see the Frankfurt train station. <laughs> we've already arrived. <laughs> we've crossed the border hours ago. <laughs> Yeah. So it's taken it's taken you two hours to get your passport out of your bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we yeah. So so we didn't get checked. And uh, looking back, if I can find some sort of silver silver lining, and, and kind of educate the masses, is if you're going to go on an adventure with marijuanas, maybe keep it. You know, in the do it in the country where it's tolerated. Uh, listen to the person that's, you know, working at the coffee shop. They can probably advise you a bit better. Had I listened to her recommendations, I probably wouldn't have been. Put, I wouldn't have put myself in that situation in the first place. So just to clarify, though, your your mum did manage to get that ticket in the end. You did you you did get back after all this, yeah. You weren't just fucking stuck sleeping at Frankfurt Station for the next couple of days. Yeah, she saved my ass. And <sighs> and like years later, when like uh, marijuana became legal, I think the next year actually that year, uh, marijuana became legal in Canada, I told her this story, <laughs> and she's like. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you were kind of acting weird. Like when you were messaging me, like it was kind of weird. <laughs> like it was full of mistakes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I suppose you, I suppose you could say the moral of it is, is you know what you said to be careful about adventures with with marijuana and this kind of things. But I suppose the flip side of it is the moral could also be, fuck it, it's gonna be alright anyway, isn't it? Two Beers Till Takeoff podcast is performed and edited by Big Sid and Phil. If you like what you've heard, we gratefully appreciate you leaving us a review and a comment. Follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon pages at Two Beers Till Takeoff for additional content. Do you have a crazy travel story you'd like to share on the podcast? Hit us up in our DMs for your chance to be on the show. All music heard on this podcast is provided by Rocker. Find more of his work on his Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. Voiceover is performed by Viking Leo K. Catch us next time as we bring on our first guest and discover the dangers of Malaysia.